James. Rife. Fuck, it's actually particularly dark right here, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, Should I turn on a light? Sure. A bit too moody. Oh, well, that's worse. No, it's a bit clinical now. Too clinical. That's it's all right. It's fine. It's just a bit, you know, ER on a on a Saturday morning. Zoomers who like grew up in the era of not even Zoomers, the one after Zoomers, which we don't know yet, do we? Alpha generation Alpha, alpha yeah. Alpha, the Alphas, high T. They are going to grow up like because of like smart lighting or whatever. We're just finely tuned, kind of a customization to like the type of light. Do you think they're going to be hypersensitive to just so, the to vibe mood, to mood? Yeah, just going to be vibe. vibe sensitive. It's probably true. Like most people didn't have those options. That's what I mean. Like, up. yeah, you know, nowadays we can be like, oh. The music's off. Let's change the music to anything we want. That'll be the same with just vibe. But- True. Yeah, yeah. Because what, what what do we have? We were like, you could choose between downlights or like a, a standing lamp. People would get creative at a, at a certain time of the morning with lamps and lamp positioning and throwing things over lamps just to try and create the vibe. Now it's just on your bloody smartphone. Yeah, you, you just whip over the, the Hue app. Yeah. You pick from the color picker. Mm. You're like, I want something that's kind of like... Mauve. Yeah, a mauve. You know, it's morning. I want kind of like an off egg white kind of vibe. Mm. Or, yeah, I want intense red. Mm. My life is like a goddamn moofy kind of vibe, you know? NVIDIA, a company that we've talked about a little bit. If you'd bought NVIDIA stock the first time we mentioned them, you'd be doing very well indeed. So here's hoping that when we mention them very briefly in our microchips episode, you ran down to your stockbroker. Yeah. Run, don't walk, folks. Yeah, and went completely all in. I went nuts and put your hope. Anyway, but while I was thinking about doing this episode, I was like, fuck, we should have done a NVIDIA episode a bit earlier because it is a very interesting company, probably one of the most important companies of the moment without question we've tech. been talking about doing an nvidia episode for like months but now we've decided we're going to put our foot down clear open our busy schedule what better place than here what better time than whenever whenever you're listening to this i guess uh, and you know so it, it could be years yep <laughs> it, could, it could, be, could be 2029 could be 2029 the world has perished in nuclear fire <laughs> and you've found a cracked busted <laughs> iphone in the ruins of like a, a servo or something like I'm thinking of Fallout 4 vibes. Yeah, yeah. And you've like dug it out and brushed the dirt off the screen. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've plugged in the power and the first thing that comes up because of what they were listening to yeah. is this It's, it's literally like they were up to 15 seconds ago in Overcast or their yeah. podcast app. And they're weeping because it's the first time they've heard recorded audio <laughs> in years. Uh, welcome. 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 This is the Down Around podcast. No, uh, we're talking about NVIDIA. And here's another thing that NVIDIA indexes strongly on. Downround has many theses, mm-hmm. and one of the theses is that we're living in the gamer's world. Yes. Yeah. The, the video games have like helped produce the modern world. Yeah. Gamers have risen up. Gamers, gamers, you know, people have said for years, gamers rise up, and now they have. It happened, and a lot of people didn't notice, but the gamers did rise up. Yep. NVIDIA's gone from being basically a company on the periphery of video gaming. Mm-hmm. Periphery is probably unfair, like fairly core to the video game universe yeah. to now incredibly important to like how the entire tech universe functions yes. as a consequence like the rest of the world. We have mentioned this transition with regards to their box artwork, their packaging artwork. Oh, that's right. We talked about the evolution of video game box art, mm-hmm. which maybe we'll relitigate that again. 
But anyway, let's talk about because there's probably half of you being like, I actually don't know what NVIDIA is. That's true. Yeah, you know, there are people that have signed up to download to hear us talk about how do you rotate a PDF. Yeah. And if that's why you came to here, well, we're sorry for not addressing it earlier, but we will get to it. Once we've cleared out the deck, we're going to get to the basic stuff like how to convert an MP3 to a, a WMA file. Yeah, yeah. And for the other half who know exactly what NVIDIA are, who NVIDIA are, and for the percentage of you who know this next point, that's fine. But why are NVIDIA basically a trillion-dollar company? Mm-hmm. Now? One of the biggest companies in the world. So NVIDIA started in... 1993. It was founded in 1993 by three guys, Jensen Huang, Chris Malakowski, and Curtis Prem, who, for the most part, had worked in various other like microprocessor, microchip, semiconductor companies before that. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of founded on the understanding, generally, they're like, the future of computing is like graphics focused. No matter what way you think about it, the future of computers has got involves more like heavy-duty graphics, graphical interfaces, graphical things happening. Which was a correct bet. A a correct bet. A salient bet. Yep. Mac OS and Windows were sort of pushing the way forward for graphical user interfaces and things like that, but we're obviously still pretty primitive. And they realized that the sort of harbinger for this future was computer games, basically, like PC games were pushing the way forward for this stuff. And it was also creating a really unique customer segment that they identified, which was like PC gamers were regular consumers who were demanding like the absolute cutting edge microprocessor power and Mm -hmm. like computing power. So like these are regular people to the extent that you think that like PC gamers in the 90s were normal people. Yeah, early 90s (laughs) PC gamers, sure. (laughs) But, you know, these were not people in demanding professional fields. These were like average people that were demanding unbelievable computer performance. Yeah, yeah. Which was like incredibly computationally demanding. So the NVIDIA guys, when they started up, were like, this is actually a really interesting segment. Regular people who want a huge amount of computer performance, we're going to like address that market. Um, And their big innovation in the beginning is that they designed and named for the first time the GPU, which was the complement to the CPU or central processing unit for a computer. They invented the graphical processing unit. For people who listened to our microchip episode, we did address this kind of- um, Your graphics card. It's a graphics card. It's the graphics card. Yeah, yeah, totally. But we may as well explain again what the difference is because it's going to come up again. And it's pretty important in this day and age. It is, totally. So the, uh, let's get into the realm of, of metaphor. A CPU, which is like the core part of your computer, it's like having a really smart, maybe slightly autistic guy. Eight of them. Who he's really good at complicated tasks, but he can really only focus on like one or very small number of tasks at once. You know, think of a chess player thinking about like really sophisticated sort of like uh, strategies, whereas a GPU, so a GPU, instead of having one really smart guy, eight really smart guys, or whatever. This is important. It's the cause. I'm making a metaphor about the cause. Totally. You've got 10,000 like midwits, you're like 10,000 interns mm. who are like, you know, kind of smart individually, but they need guidance and they need like a repetitive task to work on Mm. the exact same time. Mm. Parallel processing. Parallel processing. So it's the difference between having something that's working on really complicated mathematics, really complicating processes, and having something that's where it's like 10,000 really simple tasks Mm. that you're attacking all at once. Mm. And the reason GPUs were needed for that is that they were generating 
you know, all the pixels that appear on a, a screen during a video game or like the graphical effects that appear on screen during a video game, mm. basically, which are individually not that complicated or complex, but there's just a lot of them going on at any given time. Yeah, they split up the screen into like small little segments and all do the same thing basically at once. Yeah, totally. And that's basically what the NVIDIA's original GPUs were doing. You know, this is the days and age when, you know, Doom was big and they were pushing forward into new graphically demanding computer games mm. that had like... So the, the game example I would often use is like if you play like a, a PS5 game today and you've got like a character on screen and they've got like a real-time shadow that's being cast by your character, like you yeah. can see your character's shadow moving around as they move around and like moving over bits of the environment and looking realistic. Yeah, over rocks and trees. And totally. That is like a bunch of like relatively simple physics calculations but there's just a million of them happening at, at all times. Because everything's interacting with each other. Everything's interacting. You know, there's, where's the light source coming from? How are the shadows being injected? The reflections, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just a, a bundle of calculations happening at any given time. You need a GPU that can do all those things at the same time, basically. That's what NVIDIA built. And they focused really relentlessly on the gaming sector. And they did for years, basically. Mm. Um, very successfully. Very successfully. Over the course of like the 90s and into the 2000s, they exploded into being like basically a five or six billion dollar company. And once you get to that point, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty fucking good. That's great. If you've got a six billion dollar company, good on you. You'd be happy. If Downround was a six billion dollar company, I'd be happy. I'd be told, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to go any further. No, I'd be like, that's enough. (laughs) Let's just keep making the podcast or whatever. Where do you go from there in the graphics universe? You know, you're selling more and more powerful graphics cards. Again, they're marketing almost entirely to PC gamers, mm. guys that just want the best graphics performance on their computer because so they can play, I don't know, the latest and greatest. Mm. Where do you go from there? The obvious route is it's like, well, let's do more graphics stuff. Yeah, Let's go into the world of like graphics workstations for people that make CGI in films. Mm. Or let's do graphics for architecture firms mm. that are doing like renders in CAD or whatever. Mm. That's one way they could go, and they did do a bit of that. They do do workstation stuff. But then they had like another sort of thought bubble. Jensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA. Still the current CEO. Still the current CEO has been since since the outset, basically. He tells the story, and I don't know how true it is. It always comes up when he's talking about this stuff in interviews and presentations or whatever. He, he interviews very well. He's a, sharp, he's a sharp guy. He knows what he's talking about. He basically said that he got an email from like a quantum physicist who basically said, oh, hey, hey, Jensen, I'm a a scientist that works on these really complex quantum calculations, and my son is a gamer, and he has an NVIDIA GeForce card, and I realized that I could use the NVIDIA GeForce card to do all these, like, complex scientific calculations, whereas otherwise I would need to rent time on a supercomputer. Hmm. Again, I don't know how how true this is. I feel like he may have have been a longer process than, like, a light bulb moment from one... One dude's email. Yeah, he was sleeping under a tree and Apple hit him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it was kind of interesting because the graphics cards, as I said, they, they were built for games. NVIDIA had worked with- yeah, They had, as we've said before, they had buxom nymphs with an archery arrow on the front cover, you know, like of, of the box. This is not a scientific endeavor here. <laughs> no, no, totally. You know, if you were a person of serious industry, you could walk into the local computer store, pick up an NVIDIA GeForce card- which had a picture on the box of a big titty elf <laughs> wearing like a cut out one piece bikini. 
And I just to remind you, this is now one of the most important companies on earth. <laughs> Comes from the realm of they were like, we need our box art to make sure the sweatiest gamer gets completely bricked up. Looking at it. <laughs> they can't leave the store without it. Yeah. Or a boner. They're gonna have both. Anyway, but it was it was kind of the way he the way he tells the story is this guy was like, I had to like do all my quantum calculations as kind of like graphics calculations mm. and sort of trick the computer into doing something completely different mm. while pretending it was kind of a graphics thing, but I was actually doing these high-level scientific calculations. Mm. So our friend Jensen was like, this is the future of NVIDIA. We need to get into like scientific computing and basically this high-demand computing that normally requires people to rent out supercomputer time, mm. which is, to this day, incredibly expensive. Right? Yeah. Shout-outs, PS, to one of the heroes of the crypto era a few years ago who got busted for using the supercomputer at, like, Stanford or whatever to try and mine Monero or something. <laughs> That's hustle. That's grind. Anyway, so NVIDIA over the... This was, like, 2006 or something that he purportedly got this email and they started thinking about it. After realizing, oh, shit, our GPUs actually might have a, a broader purpose than just rendering... Shadows sexy, and sexy elves. Sexy elves and like sexy elves walking through water and the ripple effect off the water. Yeah, exactly. So basically they developed this parallel computing platform called CUDA, C-U-D-A, stands for Com- uh, Compute Unified Device Architecture. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Makes sense. Mm. But to put it really simply, the idea was they built this whole vertical platform that was kind of like letting anyone develop anything for graphics cards or GPUs. Like, and this is CUDA is very very important. But if you are a university, for example, or a big company that needs a bunch of GPUs to be doing these kind of parallel processing things that are better on heaps of GPUs than on CPUs, because it's as we said, like simple tasks, but like heaps of them at once. So sweet. I'm like, okay, GPUs are better for my task. You go out and you buy a thousand GPUs, but then what? Like, what do you plug them into? And you've got this problem. How do you throw the problem at them? Like, that's actually hard it's not just like a computer that you can just say all right cool i bought the graphics card i plug them into a computer i press go cuda unifies graphics cards at scale and allows you to effectively use them as one computer for for whatever you want because yeah. yeah keep my like develop for them yeah the, the the computer languages they had written for it everything was designed for how do you turn it into like graphics in games for like mm. the latest and greatest computer games so this was just like, how do we liberate it from that and let people use it for this incredible sort of system that we've stumbled upon for anything? So that was kind of like what NVIDIA did. And it took them a while to get it off the ground. Like I said, 2006 was when they started working on this. It wasn't even really usable or good until like 2012 or something. So it was like a really long, long tail project that they were chipping away at. Mm. And in the time they were doing that, they sort of lost sight of their core business, which was video games. Mm. Their core business was video games. There were a bunch of other competitors they had over the years that were also making graphics cards for computer games. The biggest one was ATI. Radeon. The Radeons, yeah. So the NVIDIA had the GeForce and, yeah, ATI had the Radeon. These were like the competing top-end graphics cards. If you're a gamer building your own computer, so you could you could be pushing, playing fucking Bioshock at max settings, mm-hmm. then you, you were probably getting one of those two chips. NVIDIA lost sight of their focus because they were looking at this scientific universe. And 
their stock price around like 2008 or something completely cratered. It mm. fell like 85% because the market was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You completely like lost sight of your your goal. ATI is starting to push up and, and challenge you. They also lost, sort of stumbled a bit when the iPhone came out. It looked like it was mobile computing yeah. world. Didn't do mobile. And they sort of rushed out a solution which was called the um, Tegra, which was like NVIDIA's system on a chip, kind of like the iPhone chip. So Android devices run on, a lot of Android devices ran on Tegra. The Nintendo Switch has a Tegra inside mm. it. But again, it wasn't like blockbuster product. They weren't really nailing it. But in the background, they were sort of like formulating, this is our actual vision. It has nothing to do with consumer devices. It has nothing to do with video games. Our like vision is parallel computing. We're thinking bigger. We're thinking big. Anyway, it turned out that that was the right bet. So keep in mind that like their big focus was like scientific computing. They were like, all right, we're, we're going for like these Poindexter's sitting in like a lab in Cambridge in England that are doing really high level quantum physics calculations on like university campuses and what have you. But then something fell into their lap in the early part of the 2010s, which was the advent of deep learning and neural nets, mm. which are the foundation of AI as we currently conceptualize it. Yeah. Something that has to do lots of very simple processes at once on just such a huge amount of data and anytime it's kind of used inference also requires doing lots of simple tasks at once it turns out that like the same general sort of like mathematical processes matrix transformations drive computer graphics also drive like the foundations of like the modern ai moment that we're mm. living through right now if you listen to any interview with jensen huang now as you said before, very smooth operator. He's a shark. He's a weapon. Mm -hmm. He claims that this was like their plan all along. Yeah. That like he sat down in 2006 and was like, I predicted how neural nets were going to become integral to the way the internet and computing worked. Mm. I think that's complete bullshit. I think they had a really interesting platform they built for like the scientific use case, which all of a sudden turned out to be completely relevant to essentially the future of computing that we're now living through right now. Yeah. They did start developing a number of years ago, though, AI-specific chips, which did have some foresight in that, I mean, there was obviously still demand because realistically the biggest companies in the world were developing AI systems of one sort or another. I'm sure the kind of LLM thing with ChatGPT kind of has taken the world by storm, but everyone now needs to do AI. All of the biggest companies in the world need to do AI at scale. And 10 years ago, they started developing an AI-specific chip. So they are the right company in the right place at the right time that did put some investment 10 years ago into developing something specific for the moment. Totally. And the, the way you could kind of understand how this shift was happened, like 10 years ago, server farms, you know, the sort of server farms you would have in like a, a, a server warehouse that's like serving Facebook or whatever would be like almost entirely CPUs. Mm crunching these like really complex algorithms and, and processes and what have you. Nowadays, heaps of them have GPUs so they can run a lot of the, these new kind of processes, deep learning, neural networks, what have you. And the vast majority of those are NVIDIA. Mm. Well, more than 80%. Uh, we, we're probably skipping over between 2012 and now, 
there was the crypto thing. But again, to their credit, they never really leaned hard. In fact, they kind of leaned the opposite way against the crypto thing. I'm talking about NVIDIA because once again, crypto, as we've discussed, is just so happens that in order to friggin' send one friggin' to do it, piece to- of crypto to another person requires like an intense amount of processing yep. <laughs> of simple crypto mining works best on GPUs mm. and a lot of the, a lot of that was done on just like off the shelf Nvidia's gaming graphics cards mm. so like crypto mining freaks would walk into like a computer shop and buy a hundred cards mm. or buy them all online or whatever and string them together into these farms that would just work entirely on mining crypto. Mm. As you said, to their credit, they were like, this is not really a sustainable market. But obviously, a lot of the crypto guys thought like, this is the fucking future. It's mm. going to be like crypto mining forever. But NVIDIA were like, we're not going to like boost production to account for all these guys spending their time mining crypto. Mm. We're just going to like let the the waves subside. And it did. And now, again, Jensen Huang's in the media being like, crypto has contributed Nothing to society. He's saying <laughs> in all these recent interviews. Yeah. Net negative benefit to society, even though it obviously was a, a huge revenue boom for them for a while. Well, this is one of the more interesting. If we're just looking purely at their kind of stock price and their market cap, last week they pumped 30% on their earnings and the Ford guidance, which is, you know, it's, a, it's very positive, basically, their outlook. But they dived. So crypto boom happened. Everyone bought NVIDIA cards. Ethereum changed how they mined. They still like upped the production of graphics cards because there was a massive graphics card shortage. If anyone remembers, like during COVID, basically, you couldn't buy a graphics card. There were three, four times the recommended retail price on eBay, whatever. So they did up their production a bit. Demand dropped off hugely because, well, A, I guess as COVID lifted, but B, no one wanted them anymore for Ethereum mining. And like them stock price tanked because yep. their forward guidance was poor. And then literally like a year later now, they're one of the most valuable companies in the world. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just shows that markets are rational and efficient. <laughs> the best way possible to arrange a society. <laughs> the whole story of, of NVIDIA in terms of its like stock price and how the markets react to it has been really interesting. Because, mm. yeah, as you say, it ping-ponged all over the place through COVID, even though... Because, you know... Uh, one way a lot of analysts think about it is that NVIDIA is to AI what kind of like Windows was to home computing mm. and what Apple was to the iPhone. NVIDIA's platform is that for AI. Yeah. So dominant, so like ab- absorbs the revenue of the space so heavily. And this was like, it was visible that this is what they were doing as early as like 2012. Yeah, and they were criticised, to be fair, for it. They were, they were like, criticised incredibly heavily. For investing so heavily, so much capital expenditure into this AI thing that no one saw as... Yeah, um, or like, or, yeah totally. Or the, these like pipe dreams of being the future of scientific computing. When it was like, you have a great segment, which is video games. Yeah, which is growing. Which is growing hugely. And the critics were right in the sense that it's like, if they had just kept pumping out better and better graphics cards... They would be an incredibly valuable company. And as gaming grew and grew and grew, they would just get more and more valuable. Mm-hmm. However, they wouldn't be worth just shy of $1 trillion. Literally $1 trillion, yes. which puts them in like the the company of like Apple, Microsoft, Google. Yeah, they're Amazon. more valuable than Facebook. Yeah. They're now top tier, like biggest companies in the world, most powerful company in the world, like yeah. in, in that small handful of elite businesses. Yeah. I mean- I will say they're massively overvalued. Uh, I mean, 
any way you look at it. So I'll take that back. Actually, I'll, 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 you have to be extremely confident that they will be a major factor moving forward over the next ten years. And every business that uses AI will continue to have to rely on NVIDIA for them to justify their current valuation, which is astronomical. Because as you said, they're basically seen as a proxy for AI. You said it earlier at the pub. They're an index fund. They're like the AI index fund, effectively. If if you're like an investor from a really sophisticated investor all the way down to just like a regular guy who loves to play the markets, and you're like, this AI stuff is crazy. Yeah, I need to invest. I need to invest in AI. But also, you don't really want to do the diligence of trying to figure out what companies are going to do really well from it. You invest in NVIDIA. That's like your index stock. If AI gets big, NVIDIA will go up with it because- it's completely powered by it. Mm. That's part of the reason its stock has pumped so insanely. Yeah. Um, yes, because they, they had an incredible earnings report last time. Mm. But a lot of it is just like, it's vibes. It's, it's like, vibes, exactly. I love AI, don't really know anything about it. NVIDIA, that's the bet. I, you know, this isn't a friggin' stocks podcast or whatever. No. But there was a lot of fair criticism that they were overvalued before they pumped 30% last week. You know, like the- for their earnings, being a trillion-dollar company is extremely, extremely bullish. That said, right now you look at the numbers. Yeah, as I said, more than 80% of AI compute is done on NVIDIA's. AI, the hottest sector, everyone says, is the future, and it probably is, like it is. Like AI is the future of computing. How we interact with computers, it will change. How we interact with our devices, it will change certain jobs and industries for good. So they're 80% of it, sure. I want to present the... The bear case for NVIDIA. Please. More as a thought experiment. Look, let me throw out some parallels. This is what had me thinking. This is a tweet by Benedict Evans, just a friggin' investor guy, whatever. 1960s, you predict the growth of cheap air travel, so you buy airline stock. 1990s, you predict the internet, so you buy telcos, media companies, and record labels. 2000s, you predict smartphones, so you buy Nokia. 2020s, you see a new wave of AI, so you buy... Now, obviously, like this tweet, the joke, the thing here is airline stocks are a terrible buy. Like these are all terrible buys, right? Like, but logical. At the time, probably logical. At the time, probably logical, but, you know, basically terrible buys. Airline stock, the actual airlines were commodified. And as we know, it's like a race to the bottom with prices, blah, blah, blah. Warren Buffett wrote a frigging essay on it. This and the other. Pretty the internet, you buy telcos again and record labels. Yeah, that's you misinterpret it and see it as like, oh, the companies that produce content are to be the ones who make money as opposed to the aggregators. Smartphones, Nokia, they were the dominant player. Makes sense, but it wasn't a computer platform. This and the other. We all get it. We get You get the, the gist the of it. The gag. I was like, oh, yeah, good tweet. But what set me to thinking about NVIDIA is there were kind of three replies to this tweet. One, people who got it. Two people who didn't get it and were like and rejected the premise, being like, um, Telcos was a terrible buy. And it's like, yeah, okay, you didn't get it. Then three <laughs> people who didn't get it and then tried to answer it honestly. And most of them said NVIDIA. Yeah. Which got me thinking like, okay, when the dumbest people on the planet <laughs> are bullish on something, I'm going to think about it a little harder. So here's my bear case for NVIDIA, which is, again, I would like to stipulate, is not like this is not a hard health held belief. It's just something I'm putting into the universe. The parallel I kind of drew, I mean, he makes some parallels there to Nokia, etc. It doesn't work with Nokia. Nokia were like a dominant player for a dumb phone, but it was pretty obvious that 
a company that makes computers. There's a small computer and a company that was more experienced in making computers and software was going to be the dominant player in the portable thing. So it doesn't work there. But Intel was one that I, I feel like was maybe more of a parallel with where NVIDIA are now, which is like a dominant chip manufacturer that makes off-the-shelf products, high-powered, high-performance off-the-shelf products who've been disrupted because it turns out that businesses and their customers actually wanted a more tailored and customized solution that they could effectively design themselves and they didn't want to pay the margins that um, someone like Intel forced them to pay. And the same is true with NVIDIA have very healthy margins. Incredibly, yeah, yeah. So there is potentially a world in which it's like, okay, we already know that Google and Microsoft are making their own AI chips, like like Tensor with Google. I've forgotten the name of the Microsoft one. They only announced it a couple of weeks ago. That said, they're still, for the majority, using NVIDIA chips. Yep. And people say, like, there's a bunch of startups that make, you know, better ones, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there is a world in which, you know, Apple don't need to use an NVIDIA graphics card because they want something that's specific to mobile and it doesn't need to be super high-powered and they're not using it for gen- like models themselves. They're only using it for inference and there's a specialized inference card and blah, 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 blah. So like some world in which it's like the Intel thing happens where people don't want an off-the-shelf high-powered product. They want something more specific, maybe. And monopolies get fat and lazy and they don't innovate and blah, 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 and continue to keep pumping out the same product and expect people to buy the A100 chip or whatever and A200, et cetera, et cetera. The flip side to that, though, like even as I say it, yeah, startups are making chips that they say are 10 times more powerful than the A100. Well, NVIDIA would just release, release the A200. Like they've got the the best people there. It's going to be 10 times faster than than that again. And But like they're going to be able to keep up and they're going to be able to have more power. But I don't know. The only bear case I kind of see for NVIDIA is the hyperscalers, as they call them, who are actually using the most of this compute, making their own to avoid paying the margin. But the reality is if AI is front front and center of every industry from here on, a lot of NVIDIA chips and a lot of CUDA is going to need to be Yeah, I mean, the thing, because, you know, um, as you say, Google have the tensor processing unit, which is like Google's version of an AI-specific chip, which by all accounts seems quite good or whatever. But the thing that has buoyed... Nvidia the whole whole time from being literally a company with busty elves on the on the box art mm. and like relentlessly focused on graphical performance and guys that are like obsessed with making sure that like the water reflections in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion are just like perfect or mm. whatever to being literally one of the, like the foundations of modern computing science the thing that's like projected them along that path is that like from the ground up they were always like on the cutting edge. Mm. They were always, even though go back to the 2000s, go back to the 90s, one of the things that made NVIDIA different from the other companies, not just like in their specific space, but like microprocessor companies generally, is that they were like constantly releasing. Uh, Intel were putting out on a refresh cycle that was like 12 to 18 months, mm. whereas like NVIDIA were consistently putting out more powerful chips yeah. every six months. They were really early innovators in writing their own software drivers to make the chips run because they wanted to control the whole experience. As a result, they accumulated like a fuckload of um, really low-level programming talent. They could, when I say low-level, I mean like people who could program directly on the chip mm. rather than a more you know, ones and zeros stuff. Yeah, like exactly ones and zero shit rather than more abstracted software levels. So as a result, like the innovation has been huge. As you say, 
their graphics cards, even now, even after their focus drifted away from video games, is so far again ATI. If you want to buy a top shelf graphics card, you need to get one of these new like GeForce RTX fucking 480s or whatever they are. Mm. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a. <laughs> We're, we're, PC we're, we probably should have looked this up after last time we mentioned a random number, pulled a random number yeah, out of the yeah. air to reference it. I feel, it's, I feel the 480i or something sounds about right. Yeah. The point is, like, I think they have an incredible technological leg up mm. and they are, like, on the cutting edge. It's like Apple is at the absolute bleeding edge of doing, like, the system-on-a-chip stuff mm. with their M... What are they up to? M2s? Yeah. M2 Ultras or whatever. Which, by the way, sorry, huge aside here. But the, the naming scheme for the like the M series is ridiculous. So you got M two Max. What's Max mean? What's Max short for? Maximum. Maximum. Can't get any better. M two Ultra is the more powerful chip. Mm. It makes no sense. Maximum is the maximum. Maximum Max is higher than Ultra. I disagree. So <laughs> I'm th- thinking about the logic of like overclocking your computer. Right? Yeah, so, you, you, so you you're get, overclocking it to the maximum. No, no, so <laughs> you get to the maximum that is prescribed by, like, the manufacturer. Oh, I see. So maximum is just, like, rules. Yeah, exactly. It's not a real, it's not a real max. That's a, Exactly. When you hear max, that's, like, this, the, you know, the, the stiffs. That's your limit, buddy. The maximum like, limit. Like, buddy, you can't go over that. That's dangerous. You're a loose cannon. But you go to ultra, you're turning it up to 11. Isn't it just the max, like... Two system on a chips and the ultra just like four or something. Yeah, I think so. It's <laughs> it's it's not that exciting when you look into it. But I must say the Max Ultra dichotomy, I get it. Anyway, the point is that yes, they're at the cutting edge of. of they're, like, they're they're so far ahead of the competition in terms of like putting this stuff out. Yeah, but so was Intel. You know, with with their pro- they were the hottest ones. They were the fastest ones. But what if the future is not like we need? Or there's going to be certain use cases, obviously, where you do want the best. But, you know, there's going to be certain use cases where you want it to be batch, once again, like power efficient, et cetera, et cetera. So they obviously have the resources and the capabilities to probably make a more power efficient one, blah, blah, blah. And we should say it's worth mentioning, like, what do you get for a more powerful AI chip? Inference cost. And when I say inference cost, as in, like, when you type into chat GPT, ask it a question, who is the most psychopathic nation on earth? When it's responding to you, that's like inference cost. It's it's doing processing that costs money in the cloud. Uh, and then obviously the other side of it is like creating the model itself, like putting all the data in it, making it create the, the neural network between different items and seeing how they all relate, blah, 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 building the model. They both have huge costs associated with them and require like shitloads of power, obviously making the, mil- the model far more, but inference cost has a cost. If you have more powerful graphics cards, that becomes cheaper. So there is like a benefit in having more powerful cards that are faster, more efficient, blah, 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 which they have an advantage on. But is there a world in which, yeah, you need something more specific for your line of work or you don't need the most powerful one anymore? You're really keen on this. I'm making people think whenever you're in a situation where like there is mass consensus, especially when the dumbest people in the room are on that wave, it's just worth thinking about and Putting it out there, okay, like what's the contrarian position take, take, here? Take a contrarian view, like exactly what's what's going on on the opposite side. I'm not saying do not, this is financial, do not short NVIDIA. <laughs> do <laughs> not short NVIDIA. Maybe NVIDIA is just crap from the ground. <laughs> maybe maybe they're shit. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's a sex scandal? 
that could be yeah, Jensen Huang is implicated in some sort of sex scandal. Like, no, no, no. Obviously none of that. But, you know, I'm just throwing out there, think about it before, like, you know. Putting all your life savings in there. In, in a trillion-dollar company. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. I think at the core of their success is the fact that, you know, they have incredibly phenomenally powerful off-the-shelf off the hardware that they sell through regular sales channels that anyone can buy. Mm. The current range of, like, GeForce graphics cards have 10,000 cores or something. They're absurdly powerful pieces of tech. And it goes back to the original, like, NVIDIA dream where it was like, oh, shit, there's a whole new class of consumer who are just regular guys within the framework of what you might consider a regular guy mm. who want absolute peak computing power. Mm. And you can walk into a store. I mean, obviously the crypto thing is over, but you can if you can work into a store, buy a bundle of G-Forces, string them together, connect it through like their platform yeah. and start developing for it. Which, by the way, they've also got a cloud platform for CUDA as well. So like you can pay per compute for like their own server farms of, of GPUs, although that's really kind of more aimed at super high, like big companies. Totally. So they've managed to like integrate themselves into like the modern computer stack well know? look at the end of the day yeah 10 years ago they made a bet on ai and it was the right bet and that's what any upstart or any competition is co competing with a company that has now been doing this for 10 years totally which puts them in a ridiculously good position yeah the correct answer by the way to the benedict evans tweet was said by paul graham he said 2020s you predict ai so you buy and he said google that feels at the moment like more likely the right answer in that Google are the obvious answer, but are they fumbling the bag? Time will tell. Potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Downround is now a premium podcast. You can subscribe to our premium offering at downround.net for $7 a month or $70 a year if you're uh, bargains inclined and you get not only the episode that you get every week but one additional one every single week seven dollars a month it's a great bargain we go deep on oh, this is a terrible <laughs> no it's fine you're right we go deeper on the issues we say more crazy shit yeah exactly exactly if you want to hear us say stuff that's basically balls to the wall maybe even illegal maybe illegal downround.net you'll find us there <laughs>